The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of Aussie-made on-demand videos to help you look to God daily. Be challenged by a series of apologetic interviews produced by Creation Ministries International and inspired by Helping Hands, which showcases people and organisations who make the world a better place. There are new videos being added every week in the free Vision Christian Media app. Just tap the Watch tab to see the growing selection. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. So let's talk about preaching today. And, of course, we'll talk about preachers, preaching and preachers. Our special guest is pastor and evangelist Josh Williamson. He's passionate about seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And since being converted in 2002, Josh's drive has been to make known the fame of Christ to as many as would listen. Josh has pastored churches in Australia and in Scotland, but he now serves as the state director and evangelist for Open Air Campaigners, these days known as simply OAC, is the Queensland director and uh, also endorsed as an evangelist with the Luis Palau Next Generation Alliance. Uh, so, Josh Williamson, a special welcome to you. Great to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me on, mate. Josh, we want to get our listeners to be involved in this conversation because I suspect listeners uh, will either have, at some point in their lives, uh, felt this compulsion to stop and listen to someone who was preaching and not talking about just in the pulpit at church, but on a street corner. Uh, and there will be some who've been courageous enough themselves to say, OK, well, I'll take God at his word. I'll stand up and I'll share my testimony and uh, I'll give an altar call even and see what happens and see whether all that stuff we read in the book of Acts about uh, presenting the good news and people gathering around, whether that really all still works. Tell us briefly, Josh, your story uh, of coming to Christ and moving into this area of being a street preacher as you're renowned to be. Well, that's where the story always begins at the beginning, doesn't it? So I was brought up in a Christian home. Uh, my mum and dad uh, brought me up on the, the teachings of Christ. They taught me the Bible stories. Uh, I can't remember a time when we didn't go to church, when we didn't learn the scripture. I was able to know enough of the Word of God that when I was at school, I could actually argue with the RE teachers, and if they're listening, I need to apologize. I was one of those horrible children. <laughs> but the interesting thing was, even though I had all this head knowledge, I actually wasn't converted until I was about 16, nearly 17 years old. Uh, I grew up in the church, and when I was about a teenager, I'd had enough of the church. I said the church was full of hypocrites. I didn't want anything to do with them. I didn't want to attend church anymore. In my mind, I was just going to do my own thing. At that stage, I actually decided I was going to join the Australian Army as a regular soldier as soon as I was old enough. Uh, so what I did was join the cadet training scheme first. And something we learned very quickly in the cadets was you spent a lot of time sitting in the bush doing nothing. So I found this little camouflage book that looked quite interesting. Had nothing to do, started to read, and this is where we saw God's sovereignty on display. It was the New Testament. There was nothing to do but read the Bible. So I started to read. And as I read, I became convinced of the truthfulness of the claims of Jesus I couldn't argue with it any longer. Uh, Mum and Dad started attending a new church at that point. I was adamant I wasn't going to go to that new church, but mothers are persistent when they ask you to start coming to church. So I went pretty much just to keep Mum quiet, to keep her happy. I went to church. The pastor did his gospel presentation. He'd done the altar call. I'd grown up in church, so I knew this was about to finish. 
But as he spoke, God's spirit began to work. He spoke about sin, and there was just this deep sense of conviction hit me. I went, man, he's talking about me. I think mum might have tipped him off. And he spoke about those who grew up in the church who weren't truly converted. And I thought, now I know mum has tipped him off. I, I now know she didn't. But God was at work, and before I knew what was happening, I was down the front responding to the call of salvation. And as he explained to me once again the cross, he told me about Jesus, his love, dying, burial, resurrection, how I needed to trust in him. It was as that moment a burden fell from me. And I didn't know what was happening. I just knew that Jesus was real. Jesus had pursued me. I'd been rescued, and I was just in stunned silence. I didn't want to be in church, yet here I was in church being rescued by God. Well, God changed my life completely at that moment. Everything changed. I no longer pursued a career into the regular army. Instead, I found myself in Bible college. I'm not quite sure how I ended up there, but God would seem to be guiding my footsteps. <laughs> I was there, and I had this passion to tell people about Jesus and what he had done. And that's how I started in evangelism. I started to just witness at work, witness in uh, daily life. And eventually someone introduced me to the teachings of Ray Comfort, uh, Hell's Best Kept Secret, which I'd encourage everyone to listen to. And Ray's an open-air preacher from New Zealand, based now in the U.S., and I thought, oh, I want to give that a crack. I'll have a go at that. The problem is I didn't know how to do it. So I had to try and work it out as I you know, fumbled my way around the Queen Street Mall in Brisbane. But God was so kind to us. And uh, that was back in 2004 when we started doing open air work. And we haven't looked back. And God's blessed the work many times over. Well, uh, all of our capital cities will have some sort of a central CBD mall. And there will be teams that go out into those malls, maybe it's on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and there'll be those who are standing up in front of crowds and they're presenting the claims of Christ. They're presenting the gospel. You said you were sort of uh, stumbling around uh, in the Queen Street Mall in Brisbane, yes. and I imagine there were other people who were doing some street preaching. There must be some inspiration for you to say, well, I think uh, they're doing a good job, or maybe they're not doing such a good job, and maybe I could do a little bit better. Uh, what were you feeling when you were when you were actually getting inspired to give it a go to be a street preacher? Probably the biggest inspiration actually came not from the Queen Street Mall, but back when I was a non-Christian. Uh, when I was about 15, we took a family holiday down to Echuca in Victoria, and I remember walking along the tourist area. We used to live there when I was younger, so going back visiting friends and all that sort of stuff. But as we're walking around, I noticed this man standing on a soapbox on a street corner preaching. And I was a non-Christian at the time, but I remember looking and thinking, that man has courage. That man has got something to shout about. He's got guts. I like that. We then went to Nathalia, which is one of those small little towns in Victoria. If you blink, you miss it. Yet there was this old man walking across the road on crutches with a little Gideon's Bible in his hand, preaching. And again, I thought, that man has courage. So when I got converted and started doing open-air preaching, I've just gone... These guys had something that's worth shouting about. They had something that's worth being made a fool of to go out and tell people about Jesus. They, they loved the Lord so much they didn't care what people thought. And that courage really influenced me. Now, once we got into the Queen Street Mall, we, we found all kinds of Christians out there sharing the gospel. Some were brilliant. Some, oh, you'd, you'd say, God bless you, and who am I to judge another man's servant? But you pick up things as you go along. And again, I found people like Ray Comfort probably be my biggest influence, looking at his stuff online and having the privilege of working with him in 2005 in LA and just learning from these guys and saying, how can I simply, effectively share the gospel in a way that connects and engages with the Australian audience? Let me in on some, uh, some of your thoughts on whether it is a method 
that you use when you're preaching because if you're a regular street preacher, well, you're coming back to some of the same stories, some of the same issues in your own testimony. Uh, Some will say, uh, you know, really you ought to be inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit. How do you sort of uh, weigh up uh, what happens uh, when you're on the streets uh, you begin to get up and speak. Sometimes you're probably not feeling very spiritual, but you're there because it's your routine. This is what you do, and God uses what you do. Tell us about method and being led by the Holy Spirit. I guess it's hard to say what an open-air session looks like because each session is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you often go out with a plan, a method in mind. You're going to stand and preach. Or One thing that we do a lot now is we actually use a sketchboard. Uh, we paint and illustrate the gospel that way. But that could change in a second. You could have someone come along and ask a question. You could be one minute preaching to a crowd that's willingly listening, and next minute you've got an atheist going, well, prove to me there is a God. Or a Muslim saying, well, Jesus is not the Savior. He's merely a prophet. So you've got to be constantly sensitive to the Spirit about where things are going. So there's a method, but there's also the openness to the Spirit of God going, look, this is God's ministry. This is God's outreach. He's going to allow it to go whatever way he wants it to go. And there's been times I've planned a sketchboard or planned an open-air message and I thought, this is going to be a nice, easy night. Two and a half hours later, I'm still dealing with an atheist who asked the question about how, why is there death and suffering or how do you know there's a God? So you've got to constantly be on the move. You're constantly praying. I found that I pray so much when I'm in the open air. As I get a question or I get a heckler and I just go, I don't know how to answer that. And you just pray for light, you pray for wisdom, and God's been faithful. Now, tell me about hecklers because uh, some people will say, well, it'd be all right if everybody was nice to me, if I stood up on the street corner and uh, wanted to share my testimony and it was all nice. When a heckler comes and they are uh, almost uh, to the point of being a nuisance, uh, taking up all the time, uh, directing, firing, shooting questions at you, uh, this is the interesting uh, and powerful thing I think about uh, a street preaching is that while you're engaging the heckler, well, while you're engaging the person who says, I'm an atheist, there's still a crowd looking on. Uh, tell us about how the dynamic works when you're out on the streets and you're engaging with people who are standing there to watch. Well, hecklers are the best thing that can happen in an opening <laughs> meeting. They can take your crowd of 50 and make it 200 in yes, seconds. It's, yes. it's brilliant. People love an open-air discussion. They love an open-air debate. And that's something we we actually enjoy doing. You get a heckler comes along, he asks a question, but oftentimes I know his question is really, it's just a smokescreen to justify his unbelief. I mean, Romans 1 tells us that he knows there is a God, but he's just suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And oftentimes when I'm answering his question, I'm not necessarily answering it for him. I'm answering it for the crowd that's behind him. Because people in the crowd are going, yeah, that's a good question. Why is there death and suffering? Or why is, how do we know there is a God? You know, what, what proof is there? So I'm not necessarily answering him. I'm answering the crowd and trying to present the gospel and making a defense for the faith. And, you know, hecklers, we've got to be careful. We don't want to beat them down. We don't want to be the big, mean, nasty Christian. So we want to engage their question. We want to answer them in love and in gentleness. We want to explain the gospel to them. Spurgeon said, argue everything with an eye on the cross. So we're not there for an apologetic debate. We're there to present Jesus. And if I have to answer some apologetic questions to get to the cross, well, then so be it. But we're going for the cross. We're going to the gospel. And that heckler will hear the gospel many times over before the night's out. Now, open-air campaigners, uh, many a listener to our conversation today. And uh, I mentioned that these days you're known as OAC, uh, but formerly known as open-air campaigners and renowned for street preaching. What a wonderful history. Back to 1892, uh, you're actually leading 
the Queensland arm of your organisation. It's a significant history, a significant heritage. How valuable is it to be able to say, you know, I'm part of an organisation that's been going more than 100 years and uh, we're building on what's gone before. There's an accumulated wisdom in our capacity to be able to reach out to people on the street. Tell me about how wonderful it is, this connection to a a great organisation. Well, it's brilliant because there's nothing new under the sun. So the things that they encountered, you know, 125 years ago, 50 years ago, or even today, it's the same issues, the same questions. They often get packaged differently, but it's still the same issue of the sinfulness of man's heart. So I can look back at these older guys who have served, and some of them are still alive and, you know, brilliant encouragement to us, and go, how did you deal with these sort of questions? How did you respond to the crowds doing this? And by learning from the combined wisdom of those who have gone before, I think it makes us more effective today because we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just standing up and proclaiming the same old message that's been proclaimed for 2,000 years. The people are the same, the gospel's the same, and the God who saves is still the same. So there are old-timers. We'll call them old-timers because they've been there, done that before, and they've seen new preachers uh, coming up into taking prominent positions within OAC. Uh, this sort of encouragement, this sort of uh, heritage, it's there, and I imagine that's a tremendous encouragement to be able to meet uh, OAC preachers who maybe they're not out on the streets as much these days, but, but they were there doing that courageous thing for many, many years. Oh, it's wonderful to just sit and hear their war stories, to listen and just go, wow, you know, God was at work. You know, hear what the crowds that were gathered and the people that would respond to the gospel, hecklers who were ardent atheists hearing the gospel and becoming converted and then becoming open-air preachers themselves. It's wonderful just to learn from them, to go and listen to those who have gone before. And that's, I think, we lose a lot in Christianity today. We don't like to listen to the old guard, but the old guard has so much to teach us. And Josh, open-air preachers, there are a number of wonderful ministry organizations that are really beginning to promote more significantly the idea of being on the street in the mall uh, being a street preacher, this is something that has some momentum. What sort of momentum do you see uh, for what's coming uh, with the way people are getting excited about open-air preaching? There is a massive resurgence in open-air preaching, and most of it is coming from young men under the age of 35. And I think that's tremendously encouraging. I mean, I started open-air work when I was 18. I've got a friend uh, who started when he was about 17, and he's now leading open-air ministries. It just seems to be something that the young men especially are grabbing a hold of and saying, we no longer have limp-wristed, wimpy Christianity. We've got something we can stand strong for and confront the culture with the truth of Scripture. And it just seems to be thriving. Young men passionate about God, passionate about theology, which is wonderful that these men are theologically trained. They're sharp. They could sit down and argue the ins and outs of theology. But at the same time, they are gentle enough and uh, quick enough to be able to explain the gospel and deal with apologetic questions. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Josh Williamson. He's the Queensland Director of Open Air Campaigners. These days known as OAC and we are talking about preachers today and perhaps more specifically that sort of courageous preacher who isn't behind the pulpit in a church but is perhaps out on the street. Could be a Friday night, could be a Saturday night, could be that sort of preaching that engages people in a public space. Well, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Uh, Josh, I'm wondering whether is there anything that's distinctive about Australian street preachers? 
Uh, I was just thinking, uh, you know, people will, will remember uh, some who are old enough, uh, Arthur Stace uh, in, the, in Sydney. And, uh, of course, his street preaching was basically just the writing of one word, the word eternity. And he would write that uh, in chalk, uh, either on the pavement or walls or wherever, and people would walk over that word eternity. And for many, they would say that is a word that is so powerful that actually inspired them to seek after the things of God. There's different ways to be a street preacher, but is there anything particularly distinctive about uh, Aussies and street preaching, do you think? I'm not convinced there's that much difference, to be honest. Uh, I've done open-air work around the world, and you know, you have different cultures and different ways of interacting with people, for sure. But the message, the questions, and the concerns that people have seem to be consistent worldwide. Now, you've got something like in Australia, we love the straight shooter. We love no beating around the bush. So you really play to that in the open air. But in other parts, like for instance in the UK when you do ministry, you might not be as straight, you might not be as blunt in dealing with a heckler or answering a question because they could get offended because you're one of those colonials. What would you know? But the Australians love the directness. They love you being able to stand there and say, look, mate, I'm not going to muck around. You seem like a man that wants straight answers. I'm going to give them to you. And that builds respect. Now, we've found that that straightness even works well with Muslims who are coming from overseas, especially from the Middle East. They love that direct straightness as well. So I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach to evangelism, but I think the questions, concerns, and the desires of people's hearts are the same the world over. When you're on the street, what sort of preparation ought you have done beforehand to ensure that your outing is going to be you know, right on on the spot, hitting the spot? Because I imagine if you go out with... Not much preparation. Uh, maybe you're choosing the wrong location. Maybe uh, you mentioned uh, you have a, a, a board where you're, where you're actually drawing up on a board. I mean, if you don't have that with you, I mean, you know, you're not prepared. What sort of preparation do you have to do? Well, the first thing you need to identify the location for ministry. There's no use going to somewhere where there is no one doing ministry, uh, no one there to listen to. I mean, what's the point of standing in the middle of a field if there's no one there? I mean, if I'm preaching the gospel and there's only a couple of seagulls flying by, well, the Bible does say preach the gospel to all of creation, but I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. So you need to scout the area out, find where people are, and then find the best way to communicate to them. Now, on the day of the outreach, the best preparation you can have, and I think this is vital for any sort of ministry, is you need to spend time talking to the king. You need to be praying. You need to be spending time in the word, because how can we go out and proclaim the message of Jesus if we haven't spent time with Jesus? We need to be men devoted to prayer and devoted to the pre- to the Word of God itself before we even attempt to do open-air work. Is there a sense, and let's come back to this because I think this is uh, really important, uh, if you're spending that time prayerfully uh, looking towards the outing that you're about to have, you actually go onto the street with the confidence that having prayed, that the people who'll hear your message are the one that God has sent to you to hear the message that you'll preach. Is that uh, is that there a sense that uh, it does something for your confidence, knowing that your outing has been bathed in prayer? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I affirm the absolute sovereignty of God. Ephesians 1 says he works all things out after the perfect counsel of his will. So I know that when I go out and I preach, the people I encounter are the people God wants there. They're the people that God has prepared to hear the gospel. And, you know, we're praying for them. You know, nothing ca- catches God by surprise. He knows who's coming along. He knows how they're going to respond. And he's putting them in that location to hear the gospel. And it gives us confidence knowing that it's not my work. It's the work of God. I can go and preach because God has already gone before me. We're going to take a call. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along to 2020. 
Uh, good day, Neil. Yeah, I've not been a street preacher as such, but I've been out with uh, street preachers, and they always take a group of people with them, you know, so while they're preaching, this group can uh, mingle and hand out tracts and uh, uh, answer people's questions, pray with them if they need be. I, I think that's a very important fact. And also, I think, like, street preachers should definitely emphasise, um, you know, to people, uh, just say to them, you're, you're always, everyone's looking for peace of mind. Uh, but the greatest peace of mind you can have is to make sure of your eternal salvation and emphasize that fact, yeah. Uh, well done, Chris. Uh, your thoughts, Josh, on what Chris is sharing? Uh, I think Chris has nailed it perfectly. When we go out and do open-air work, it's vital to have a team with us. Uh, it makes our job so much easier if you know you've got support next to you. Uh, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, so let's have workers. They can hand out tracts. They can have one-to-ones. I think a successful open-air meeting is not so much the preaching but when you step down, you see people having conversations with those who are listening, and that's what you need. You need teams to do one-to-one witnessing, teams to hand out tracts, and teams to be praying and support uh, for all that's going on and constantly stressing that, you know, there is no peace, as the Bible says, for those who don't know God. So come and embrace Christ and be justified by faith. Chris from Victoria, thanks so much for your insight today here on 2020. Our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, if you've ever been uh, the person who stops because you heard something and you stopped to watch a street preacher, I wonder whether you'd like to share your own uh, feelings, your own insights into what happened on that day. If you've been a street preacher yourself, uh, give us a call, 1-800-316-316. Let's come back to this team idea because you might have a team, but you might have someone who is an outstandingly gifted preacher. And uh, there might be others who might be enthusiastic to have a go, but you've got to be, I guess, a little bit humble to let uh, your best uh, oratory uh, representative stand up and begin to to share the gospel. You might not even be a great uh, preacher yourself, but you understand that it's important to actually be out on the street, and so you have you recognise your role. But there's a sense, isn't there, in which uh, and this is like a leadership development. When you've got a team going with you, you're you're actually looking at next generation people who will be able to learn to do what you do, learning the craft of being able to present the gospel in the out in the open. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's not just me doing the work. You know, I've got to be training the next generation up. I've got to be training other people up to proclaim the gospel. And, you know, the role of an evangelist, according to Ephesians 4, is not just to proclaim, but also to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So a large part of my work now is training. You'll take someone out and, you know, when they stand up, they might not be the best preacher around. I remember my first open air, I lasted two minutes and I was done. And I said, I'd never do it again. But God kind of forced me into it. So I see guys stand up and I'm like, yeah, look, you know, they, they didn't quite nail it. They, they missed a few vital elements. But you encourage them, you ex- provide an example to them, you point them in the right direction, and over time you see them develop. Now, that's not to say every single person is called to be an open-air preacher. Not every single person is going to stand up in public and proclaim the gospel. But every single Christian is called to be a witness. And one of the best ways to learn to witness is to actually go out in the streets because you will meet non-Christians everywhere and you'll quickly learn how to talk to them about Jesus. And in a sense, in a society now where we're so governed by the idea of friends on social media, uh, this whole face-to-face thing doesn't happen perhaps in the same way dynamically as what it has done in the past. So in one sense, you're saying, well, let's... Let's get around uh, the whole social social media barriers and meet people face to face. Oh, it's it's a shocking development. You know, you can actually meet people in real life without clicking like or add as friend. 
But that's what you need to do. You can share the gospel on social media, and the internet's a wonderful mission field. But there's something about sitting face-to-face with someone, looking them in the eyes and saying, look, Christ died for sinners. Come and trust in him. And dealing with their hurts, dealing with their pain, and just telling them of the love of Jesus. Uh, Let's take a call. Julia is in Adelaide. Hello, Julia. Welcome along. Hello. Well, uh, thank you for having me. Mine isn't directly a street preacher, but it was a street outreach work. Um, I was um, nowhere near the Lord. Didn't I'd done the Sunday school thing as a kid, but never actually um, gave my heart or anything like that. And then um, when I was just on 40, so they say life starts at 40, I saw a an Easter outreach. Didn't hang around because I recognized some of the people and I was afraid they might come and talk to me and I uh, didn't want to do that. Um, but it obviously hit home. And very soon after, there was um, an advertisement in our local free paper, which was saying that there was going to be a celebration service, which I had no idea what a celebration service was, but I was prompted to ring the number, find out more, and went to this um, service, which blew my mind, really, because it was amazing. Um, people were so happy. I think that was the main thing that struck me. And um, and God, it was obviously a God plan because from that day forward, um, I just mm, went in deeper and deeper into into finding more more about Jesus. And um, Julia, your your yeah. story is so important because uh, you have described a connection between the street preacher. And the local church. Let's hear from Josh on on just how important it is that you're not actually just uh, an isolated uh, uh, figure standing and uh, shouting into the uh, into the into the ether. Uh, Josh, your thoughts? I think any evangelist, be it open air preacher or crusade evangelist, must have a strong link to the local church. I mean, the Bible mm. presents the picture that Christ gave us the church. He, he didn't appoint a bunch of lone rangers to run around. And I think it's wonderful that, you know, you saw this open-air uh, Easter event. The seed was sown, even though you're going, oh, I don't really want to hear about this. But God began to work and use it and got your attention. And, and you know, that's, that's how God works. That's wonderful. Yes. And yes. the open-air preacher really does bring the gospel into the community. It makes people think, even if they don't want to think about Jesus, the thought's still there. And yes. we should connect to the local church at that moment because, well, we're not going to be there all the time. So we need to hand it off to the local church, to pastors, to the yeah. elders and deacons of the church who can step in and say, right, let's take it a step further. And it's always the yeah. challenge is how yeah. do you connect to local churches? That's always a challenge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're dealing with thousands yeah. of people in a day. How do you deal with it? And, I mean, something we do is we, we while we not necessarily have celebration services, we might sometimes have a special service, is we will link in with many different churches in the region where we're doing our open-air meeting and we'll have invite cards, we'll have contact details for pastors, we'll get people's details, and we'll be referring them back to churches saying, look, we're, yeah. we're giving you people here. Follow them up, teach them more about Jesus, and you know, call us when yeah. you're having a baptism service or something like that, and we'll come along and yeah. celebrate together. Yeah, Julia, God's thank timing, you. God's, what? God's, I was just going to say, God's timing is perfect, isn't it, too? Mm. He, knew, he knew exactly where I was in my life at that time. Absolutely right, and that comes back to that whole idea of uh, bathing in prayer, the street preacher, knowing that those that he will or she will 
uh, come into contact with and who will hear those words on that day are ones that God has sent. So, uh, Julia, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your story. You raise such an incredibly important point about uh, this connection between the street preacher and the local church. Now, Josh, you oftentimes have pastors who are coming out and supporting you on the street. They might not necessarily see themselves as street preachers. You know, you've got a great someone who's uh, great as a teacher and preacher from the pulpit, not necessarily always going to relate uh, so well on the street, but they're happy to come and support you. Tell us about those experiences. We love having pastors on the street with us. There's a uh Something wonderful about seeing a local shepherd of a local congregation just coming out and saying, look, this isn't my thing. I I can preach on Sunday. I can do all the personal witness in my day-to-day life. But standing on a street corner, that's that's nerve-wracking. But it's wonderful to have them there because when we're witnessing and sharing the gospel with people in one-to-one or tracks and someone says, well, look, is there a local church nearby or can I go to a, a local church? What could you recommend? You can say, well, come with me. Let me introduce you to the pastor. And immediately there's that connection to the local church. The pastor gets their details, he goes and has coffee with them, and churches grow. And that's been one of the most encouraging things we have seen is churches are growing through open-air preaching. I'm thinking of a local outreach uh, not far from the studio here. There was one young man, he come past, he wasn't a Christian, he had a little bit of a Christian background, he wasn't interested, he stopped just to be polite pretty much to listen, he heard the gospel and the seed was sown. He then was connected with a local church that we referred him to. He went to that church. He got converted in that church. And we had a wonderful time late last year when we got the call saying, I'm about to be baptized. Can the open air team come along and rejoice with us? And it was so wonderful to see that sort of fruit that this young man is now in the church. He's growing. And he comes out sharing the gospel with us at our open air meetings now. It's wonderful. And Josh, in this day and age where everybody's carrying a mobile device, their mobile phone, Uh, When you've got contact with someone on the street uh, and you're actually supported by, it might be a number of churches in your local area, uh, you've spoken to that young person or that person who's heard uh, the gospel and you've got an instant opportunity to refer them to a local church. How does that happen? Because uh, as I understand it, uh, you know, you can get the call from the pastor coming literally two minutes after you've actually given that referral. Yeah, that's the beauty of mobile technology today. Uh, There's no escape. Uh, so if someone comes to us and says, look, I'd like to learn more, I want to find out more about Christianity, I'll say, look, if you give me your details, I'll have a local pastor call you. And we've got a list of local pastors that we know will follow people up. Uh, and there's been times I've got his details, I've sent a text message off to that pastor saying, can you follow this guy up? And I'll put a little bit in the text message about their background and what we've been speaking at. And sometimes within seconds or even a couple of minutes, that guy's phone will start ringing and it's the pastor saying, hey, I've just heard about you, I'd love to meet up. And that's how the evangelist should work with the local church. The evangelist isn't there to do his own thing. The evangelist is there to serve the local church, to work with the local church, to strengthen the church. So we must work together. Pastors and evangelists should be the best of friends when it comes to outreach. Well, you might like to participate in our conversation. 1-800-316-316 if you've ever been tempted to stop and listen to a street preacher. Uh, Or if you've ever been a street preacher yourself, you might like to let us in on some of uh, your uh, stories. Uh, We were talking, interestingly, about war stories because it's often a challenge. Uh, When you've got the heckler on the street, Josh, uh, that person who is antagonistic, uh, you've got to have a certain sense of, we've already talked about courage, but uh, an ability to be able to even stand in the face of what these days can very easily escalate into abusiveness. 
Now, I don't want to turn anybody off uh, having a go street preaching by talking about this, but it is a reality that people can be quite abusive from time to time. How do you deal with those sorts of things when, uh, when an issue like that comes up on the street? Well, I look at it this way. I wouldn't get cranky at a blind man who walked into me and bumped into me. He can't help it. He's blind. He, he bumped into me because he couldn't see. And the heckler who may become abusive, he's a blind man. He's spiritually blind. He's merely living out his nature, his sinful nature. Of course he's going to become antagonistic when the light shines. Jesus said that would happen in John chapter 3. But our response to him is not one of, oh, you horrible man, that's it, I'm not giving you Jesus. It's one of, I was just like that bloke. I was just like him before Jesus rescued me. I was antagonistic to the gospel. Yet Christ broke through the darkness. He gave me eyes to see. I saw the beauty of Christ. I embraced him by faith. So why would I get angry at this heckler? Why would I become hostile towards him? I should love him. I should care for him. I should be praying for him. Even though he's abusive, saying, look, this is God at work here. This man is being obviously hit by the gospel. Uh, Spurgeon said, if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that got hit yelps the loudest. So if someone's firing up, that means something, you know, they've been hit, the target's been acquired, they've heard the gospel, and they may not like it. But just because someone is abusive doesn't necessarily mean the gospel's not taking root. I'm reminded when I was in the US, I was in Atlanta, we did an open-air meeting, and I had a pastor's son come, and he gave me grief. He was probably one of the most hostile hecklers I ever had. There's actually a photo of him only inches from my nose yelling abuse at me. And I just stood my ground and said, look, this is what the gospel is. I didn't think any more of him for a couple of years until I got an email from him saying, do you remember me? I'm thinking it's hard to forget. You know, it was a pretty host, pretty hostile situation. But he said, "Look, I want to apologise. I've now been converted." He goes, "You annoyed me so much that I picked up my Bible and said, I'm going to prove that guy wrong.'" And as I read the Bible, God began to work. I got converted. And he goes, "And by the way, I'm now doing what you do. I'm an open air preacher." And I thought that was so encouraging. On the day, it looked like everything was going pear shaped. But God, in his sovereignty, had everything under control. You raise an interesting dimension, and it's probably a big conversation to get around this whole thing. But when you say it was a pastor's son who was the one who gave you the grief, and you reflect on your own testimony of being raised in a church family and didn't really have a conversion experience until your teenage years, But isn't it the case that sometimes people who feel like uh, they are, you know, in some ways hard done by uh, in being raised in a church family and denied all of these freedoms that their friends have and become antagonistic to the fact that, uh, you know, my parents, they want me to go to church. So then they almost come to a point where they then become the antagonist against uh, those who are doing the will of God, the work of the ministry. Uh, And then they feel as though they've got actually a little bit more insight because they've been raised in church as well. And, uh, hey, I've got a few little, uh, uh, you know, uh, salvos to fire here. Uh, Reflect on that for us, because sometimes those antagonistic people, they actually do know something about faith because they've been exposed to this and perhaps even had a bad experience. I think that's uh, very true. There's oftentimes, I think the tragedy of much of the modern church today is we've got many false converts, people who name the name of Christ, but they don't follow Christ. And they may have been sold a lie. You know, come to Jesus, everything will be better. Come to Jesus, he's going to make you healthy, wealthy, and prosperity will flow from you. And when they come to Jesus for wrong motivations, they quickly realize that (laughs) that doesn't happen. Jesus promised hardship and trials. He said, in this life, you will have troubles. So they feel like they've been sold a lie. And that can create this antagonism towards the gospel because in their mind, they've tried Jesus and they got ripped off. 
But the truth of the matter is we need to bring them back to the original gospel, the true gospel that says, look, you're not promised a bed of roses. You're promised a hard life, but you get Jesus. And those who often have those sort of church backgrounds, a lot of their antagonism comes from a misunderstanding of Christianity. I'm yet to meet someone who has truly understood the grace of the Lord Jesus, who's loved him, who has been full antagonistic towards the gospel. They understand the truth and they just go, well, what is there to be angry about? It's those who've been sold a lie that often become hostile. And in the name of Jesus, they go out thinking they know everything. But the truth of the matter is they, they don't. They've never tasted Christ. They've never seen the beauty of the gospel. They've never experienced salvation. They went out from us, as one John said, because they'll never of us in the first place. And they're the ones we have to deal with in love, of course. You mentioned a very important word, the word grace, uh, because when you talk about people who've sort of had a, a false conversion or a, a conversion that, uh, that set up false expectations of what they thought they would have in their Christian walk, uh, this word grace is very important. And for some people, it's like uh, they get a glimmer of understanding of that and then it disappears. Mm. Uh, there is a maturity that happens, I think, in appreciating and understanding what that grace truly means uh, to the sinner, uh, the sinner who is saved by grace. This is an important part of the sort of message that you preach, Joss. Well, the gospel is grace. We we have to preach the gospel of grace. Um, it's common in the world thought to say that you can earn your way to heaven. Christianity says the opposite. It says, no, it's all of God's grace. It's It's God's kindness. It's God's mercy that's shown towards you. So we have to be graceful preachers. We must proclaim the message of grace, that salvation is by grace alone. We receive it by faith alone, in Christ alone, and it's all for the glory of God alone. So we've got to keep bringing it back to that. You can't do it. It's all Jesus, Jesus in love. Or as Paul says, you know, this is what I know, that I am a sinner, but Jesus loved me and he gave himself for me. That's grace. It's nothing I can do. There's nothing in my flesh that merits me towards God. Yet he sets his love upon us. So we have to keep hitting home the message of grace. It's not you, it's Jesus. As we're talking about constructing a preacher, you've touched on something very important here, this idea of being a messenger of grace, but also delivering that in a gracious way. Because sometimes, uh, you know, people perhaps uh, preaching on the street might appear to be a little condescending or speaking a little, you know, some people like to criticize Christians and they say, oh, it's another holier than thou type of a Christian. But there is a sense here, isn't there, in which uh, the, the preacher who has a grace message uh, is bringing to people the message of the gospel and not in a position of superiority, but uh, as the servant of the Lord as the servant of the person who is hearing, you're actually serving the person who's hearing this message. It's, it's service. And any preacher, and I wish I could say I get this right 100% of the time, there's times when I have no doubt been one of the most arrogant, condescending preachers around. I know that because I'm a sinful person still daily in need of grace. But we mustn't have that mindset. We must come to the person going, I'm no different. The only thing that's changed me is Jesus. He has lavished his love upon me. He has rescued me when I didn't even seek him. He pursued me and the Father drew me to the Son. Wow, I've been rescued and you too can be rescued. And that's the mindset we've got to come with. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That in me and my flesh there dwells no good thing. That I can't do anything to merit God's favor. Yet he loved me. And when we get that mindset that we don't actually deserve anything from God, Yet he gave it freely to us. That should give us a humility to go and minister to someone saying, look, you know, sure you've done wrong. You've sinned against God. But Jesus loves sinners. 
Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We've been talking about street preachers. Our special guest, Josh Williamson, he's from Open Air Campaigners, these days known as OAC. Let's take one more call, Josh. Let's hear from Graham in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. G'day, Neil. G'day, Josh. You know, when we get to understand God and his great purpose for us, and we do want to preach and tell people about that, but we also need to understand the Bible, really the inspired Word of God, to really study it ourselves, to know so whatever's thrown at us, we can answer and point them to Scripture. That is our way through Christ to salvation, that Jesus gave his life, was brutally mistreated and died, that we might have everlasting life. That's the object to get this word out. This world needs man. He needs the word of God. Needs God now drastically to turn to him for salvation. Graham, good thought in that, and uh, your response, uh, Josh, because uh, Graham is saying you can't ignore the scriptures. You've got to be prepared. You've got to study. You've got to have the right answers when someone has a question for you. Your response to Graham. Uh, Absolutely. The Bible's the inspired, inerrant word of God. We're told in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So any open-air preacher or any preacher in general must be a man of the book. He must be devoted to the scripture. He must be proclaiming the word of God because it's the word of God that God has chosen to work faith in the hearts of people. Graham from Tasmania, thanks so much for your call. Uh, just a couple of minutes remaining uh, to point people to how they can get in touch with you. Uh, you have your own personal website, Josh Williamson. It's joshwilliamson.org. That's correct. And, of course, uh, for open-air campaigners, OAC, with such a long history, dating back to 1892, uh, you'd be interested, too, to have people linking with OAC. There is a website, oac.org.au. We've talked about going into perhaps, you know, and you've been talking about city centres. We haven't got a lot of time to say, but uh, these same principles we've been talking about work for street preachers everywhere. Whether you're in your capital city or whether you're in a little country town, uh, the same sorts of things work well. Absolutely. You know, we need to find the area we're in. We need to understand the area we're in. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to preach in every single small town. But going out into public and actually just being the church in the community by handing out tracts, doing one-to-ones, the principles that we've looked at can be applied anywhere and everywhere as we go and make disciples of all the nations. Uh, Josh, people in OAC, will they travel? If someone calls from a country town and says, we need help, can you send out an evangelist? Uh, We want to be able to learn how to do this better. We want to be able to be street preachers. Uh, Do you travel? Uh, OAC guys are more than willing to travel. Um, For open air, Queensland is the main area that does open air preaching. Uh, But if you get in touch with our branches, we've got them throughout Australia, no doubt our guys will be more than happy to come and talk to you and to train you, equip you, and even help you run outreaches in your local communities because we're all about proclaiming the good news in good ways. We want to see Jesus heralded. And if you can't go to the country town, I imagine that you'd be encouraging people from a country town who might be interested in open-air preaching to actually come to the city and uh, be one of your offsiders on one of those Friday or Saturday nights when you're out on the streets and when you're doing your thing and doing it well and connecting people with the local church. Oh, come and visit. Come and, come and say g'day. We'll be more than happy to put you to work or have you praying for us. All right. Well, there's the encouragement. Uh, I'll mention those two websites again in case you'd like to take uh, Josh up on those offers. Uh, joshwilliamson.org. That's joshwilliamson.org. And the Open Air Campaigners website, 
oac.org.au. That's oac.org.au. You're in Queensland. There's a a branch in WA and... uh, South Australia, Victoria and New South Wales. All right, fabulous. Uh, oac.org.au. Josh Williamson will do this again on another day and we'll pick up on a different dimension to this topic. But thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me on. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.